On today's episode of the Science and Spirituality Podcast, I have brought my dear friend, Gloria Hester, to share her information and just experience and expertise in somatic education. And so just a quick uh, blurb about Gloria. She is the founder of Yogic, Yogic Wisdom for Horse and Human and SEVA, which is, stands for Somatic Education for Vertebrate Animals. She is also a somatic educator, consultant, and yoga therapist for both humans and other vertebrate animals, primarily horses and dogs. And she works with solid neuroscience-based principles to help both two-legged and four-legged clients live into their full potential every day. And according to Gloria, well-being is a birthright, and every being deserves to have an easeful body and a peaceful mind and a useful life. I couldn't agree more. And um, honestly, this conversation is just such a powerful, powerful conversation. So I'm really looking forward to you meeting Gloria and also um, be open to going through some exercises. Gloria actually led us in this episode through three different practices that you can do to release tension, to open up your body and ultimately open up your life. So um, let's get into it. Welcome to the Science and Spirituality Podcast, where we dive deep into universal spiritual principles and ground them in modern science. My name is Chris Carton. And my name is Kevin Carton. And we are committed to simplifying the spiritual side of success for you with easy to understand scientific research so you can walk away with practical tools to create radical transformations in your life. Let's get started. So here we go. Let's dive into this conversation with Gloria, my dear friend, Gloria Hester. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation around somatic work because I actually, I mean, we were discussing this briefly um, before we even set this podcast up that like I had just been recently getting into somatic experiencing and somatic work. So as I shared, I, I'm looking forward to this conversation for myself, but also I think uh, what you're going to share is just really, really powerful and, and needs to be known more. So. First off, Gloria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. I'm thrilled to be here. So. I'm thrilled to have you here because again, we've we've been friends now. I I probably will make this part of the intro that we've been friends for, you know, four or five years now. So uh, it's been a long time coming for you to be on the podcast since we've had our podcast going for two years now. So um, yeah, so let's let's dive in. I just love for you to first intro with like what your story is and like how it you it led you to be where you are today to doing the work that you do now yeah well i think that saying divine providence absolutely plays in quite a bit to why i'm doing the work i'm doing and even how i came to do it um i think uh, as far as being on planet earth i was a little bit of a reluctant participant mm. <laughs> <laughs> I came here just very sensitive and um, that I was born into a horse family and grew up with horses. And, but I was always thinking about, well, how does the horse feel and what does the horse want to do? And so, mm. so the horses actually led me to my somatic work. Um, I had had an injury and um, it was not a horse related injury, but it was an injury that kind of took me away from horses. And it did lead me to become to start to study yoga and eventually become a yoga therapist and um, and formally a somatic educator in the um, the the discipline, a certain style of, uh, known as Hannah somatics. Mm -hmm. and, um, so then as I was evolving, I developed a program called Yogic Wisdom for Horse and Human. So I was bringing all of my work for vertebrate animals to um, both horses and humans simultaneously and applying what quite a bit of what I was learning in the field of yoga therapy as well with my dog and eventually with the horses as far as unique touch and things like that. So um, somatic education itself is a pretty, um, it's a wonderful experience to have and I think mm -hmm. that's with Peter Levine's work somatic experiencing what a brilliant uh, name for somatic experiencing um, because in the somatic field you're working with the sensory system mm -hmm. as well as the motor system so if I speak specifically to the style that I work in we're always working to re-educate the sensory system and the motor system so it's very precise mm -hmm. um, but I think with uh, you know, just knowing 
the horse work itself, because um, you know animals are just so honest in everything that they are and everything that they do. There, um, if if you create the space for that, they can show you so much about what works for them and what doesn't work for them. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, if, would you be willing to just start off? And I know right before we start hitting hit record, you're like, it's hard to describe or define like what somatic work is, but um, maybe even in the context of what you're sharing now of like how you came to it and how like the horse helped you and animals in general, but like, yeah, if you could actually give it a definition or oh, maybe I'm just your experience or at all. So happy to. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, the, the word soma is a Latin word. And it means the body that's intelligent and is wise and can self-correct. Mm. And so, um, my work in its broader scope, the way I work somatically is to create an ideal environment and situation for that individual's nervous system to be able to self-correct. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that some yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That it just, I'm, I'm, I wish Chris was here for this conversation. I know he couldn't make it, but like that he, I mean, acupuncture, that's exactly what he does. Like we've talked about that a lot. And with other, uh, holistic like, doctors, like people just that are believing in that field, like there's, there's, there's not only intelligence, but real results that happens yes. by means of that, which is not widely known or even accepted. Exactly. Yes. And I think the reason it hasn't been accepted is because it's not easily um, explained. Mm. So if we think about the space that's between everything that we can't see, right? So there's, there is space between everything, but that space also connects everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, there were forerunners uh, like Moshe Feldenkrais, for example, some people have heard of Feldenkrais's work um, who, you know, he, he was very um, intuitive and he knew that what he did worked. And so, but it also wasn't very easily explainable mm -hmm. because how do you explain something like intuition? Sure. Can't, yeah. So um, the history of this is a long history. And I think it's, it's not, you know, nothing, what is the saying? Nothing exists in a vacuum. Something that like that? Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I'm, I'm blanking on the exact saying yeah. too. Yeah. So I was thinking everything affects everything. So yeah. one time I was talking with someone and they said they were, you know, the idea of doing some studies with yoga therapy. And I said, well, how will they, how will they measure for the differences between a teacher who's teaching in a room that's very warm and comfortable as compared to someone who's, who's uh, teaching in a room that has a cold concrete floor and it's very echoey and, you know, the sound is kind of jarring to the nervous system and mm. like that. So these are the kinds of things like that can, that do affect us. Our, yeah. our, it does affect our soma. It affects our nervous system, our way of being. And, yep. um, and so to be able to say, well, how would you define somatics? I mean, the different fields can vary quite a bit too. I just mm. want to that in their level of understanding about what changes resting lengths of muscles and the rate, the tonicity of a muscle. Yep. So it can be really, you know, very vast. It's sort of like, sure. you know, what is yoga? People don't realize like it's a very vast um, topic, you know, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally tons of different disciplines within yes. that itself. Exactly. So yeah. I would say, you know, for your for your listeners, if you would say, well, why would you want to know about somatic education at all? It is, to me, the thing, I, one of the things I love most about this style, this way of working is that it's, it gives that being their own opportunity to experience the way their brain and their body communicate with each other. And then their brain and their body get to decide how they would like to be rather than someone approaching that being and saying, well, do this or do that, mm -hmm. feel this, or, you know, it's, it's not, you can guide someone's awareness, you know, with the horse, I would guide awareness through either asking the owner to touch in a particular place or not touch in a particular place or, um, but we want to bring awareness to the area that we want to focus on mm -hmm. rather than our 
our attention being other places because we want to give our brain and our body an opportunity to communicate really clearly. So for example, if you and I were having this conversation and we had 10 other people and we were all speaking at the same time, we wouldn't be able to discern what anyone was saying or communicating. Mm -hmm. So, so with somatic education, we want to give your brain and your body a really good opportunity to hear very clearly what the, what each other has to say so that you have the opportunity for your sensory system and your motor system to create first a really good motor plan um, because anything that we do easily and effortlessly and pain-free and without limitation, we have a really good motor plan. And that's why we're able to do it that way. If we've had a lot of stress or surgeries or injuries or really any habituation, the way we sit um, is a habituation. The way we get in, most of us, the way we get in and out of our car is a habituation. And sometimes these little things that we do over and over, we just develop an adaptation. If we've had an injury or we develop a habituation from those little things we're doing over and over. And over time, they can leave us with less voluntary control of our ability to live our lives. Mm -hmm. And and the same is true for any vertebrate animal. <laughs> yeah. It just makes me think of uh, an example. I won't name names, but there's someone I know that has like um, really bad knees. Mm -hmm. And um, well, it started off with one knee. And then from adjusting and coping in essence with that kind of pain, then the other knee started to go because like that habituation was just like to compensate. But like, if it, that first knee was like dealt with in a healthier way, then like the other would have been much more easily healed or even not ever even hurt. Yes. That's so it's very true. That's a really good example. And, um, sometimes we don't know, you know, the limitation, most of the time we don't know that the limitation or the adaptations even happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and then until we start to get, you know, feedback. So some things that people think don't have an answer, they do have an answer. It just rests within a field that's not, hasn't been as widely known or as widely understood. Yeah. And so, um, so, but as far as, you know, when you mentioned acupuncture, I was thinking sometimes I would work with a horse and maybe that horse belonged to a trainer or something like that. And, and I would say that the horse actually preferred to have visualization rather than movement, uh, rather than asking for the movement. And so, and I would say that with some dogs. So just over time, it started to really um, evolve into sometimes what people would call non-local work, distance work, or mm -hmm. working energetically yep. um, with different species. So and that just started to happen naturally. You know, life was showing me sometimes if I was going to work with a horse that I couldn't get to that horse because maybe another dominant herd mate would have hurt that horse mm -hmm. um, because they were, yeah. So I would just show animals seeing pictures. So we it's great that we're on a show called Science and Spirituality because <laughs> animals do, if we talk about telepathy, animals mm -hmm. see pictures right mm -hmm. so, and that's what telepathy is you're you could see a picture right you could send yeah. a picture, you could receive a picture and vice versa so that's one of the aspects of it so I would just sometimes also I would see about how energy might move mm -hmm. ideally, directionally biomechanically for a horse but it's happening energetically so yeah um so that's how SEVA was born, Somatic Education for Vertebrate Animals, my program, SEVA. That's how yeah. it was born. Um, I started to eventually work with other modalities with animals. Um, for example, emotional freedom technique, tapping. It works mm -hmm. well with animals, with, with non-human animals. As nice. it was. <laughs> yes. And so I think, um, you know, growing up, I didn't really see animals as that much different than us so I was always relating from this other place um, mm. and that that um you know being being asked to work with a certain animal and knowing well um you know maybe they lived in Canada and I lived mm -hmm. in Spain, for example and how do we work with them that way um 
it just and it evolved over time sometimes even with someone that had brain injuries if they would reach out to me a human that had brain injuries yeah. and their family would reach out I would know it's like this is not necessary for us to be in the room it's only necessary to hold space to wait for that nervous system to have a, a certain response yeah and to facilitate that being's unique ability to find their own way through um what could be even a you know very traumatic event doesn't have yeah. to be an event but for sure what would you say to someone who i mean listening to this like they're all on board because I, I imagine that many of our listeners are like yes like i agree with that like i, I can definitely see it maybe even had their own experience with somatic work like healing from yes. something that is just and it's it's not understood like how they healed but but i'm thinking like in the context of like okay like someone agreeing with all that but then wanting to know like well what would be the next step for me? Like, if I resonate with this, like, it sounds great, but like, obviously like one, one aspect, if, because I don't know if you work with humans anymore, but because like, obviously you have your program, but I don't know if it's just with animals, but like one option. Okay. You do great. So obviously one option is working with you, but like, what would you say, suggest for someone as like a first step to go in this direction of doing somatic work for themselves? Like, would you only suggest it with someone trained as yourself or like, you know, what's, what's your process? Like, what would you say? Oh yeah, that's a good question. There are so many wonderful somatic educators uh, out there mm -hmm. to be one among many, the way I yeah. work very unique, um, yep. very different. So I'm more of a um, whole person approach or whole being approach. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, so there's a style of somatic education that's what you would call bottom up. So that just means you're working strictly with the body. Um, I started to see over time that some belief systems would keep putting sensory motor amnesia back in our bodies again. So um, I started to work also more of top down, which would be more mindset work and more belief sure. so that you could recognize, okay, bring into awareness. What is the belief that's causing mm -hmm. me to keep going back into this pattern um, because if we want to put patterns back, we can, and we can find patterns that work well. And if we, and if we want, and if we put patterns back that aren't very functional, we can work with those too. So I would say, um, reach out to me. I'm definitely starting to develop more recorded material, but that's accessible for more people and things nice. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, um, so, um, yeah, I think that some things we can do as practices, as far as from the field of yoga therapy, bringing those in um, also deepens that experience to help, to help people um, to really, to fulfill their potential mm -hmm. rather than just, okay, I'm just going to do some movements on the floor now. Sure. Like, well, why would we just do some movements on the floor? So, <laughs> so I love to create more of a robust experience on mm -hmm. helping people with what they actually came here to be and do yep. and have and um yeah to see their own unique gifts and their unique talents yeah well so then what's something that someone can like take away from like our conversation today you know like is there something that that a tool or a, a practice like something yeah like that because I, you know, I, as you began, it's hard to even describe like what is somatic work because there's so many different things within that. But so, yeah, do you have anything that is like an issue, an initial like step into this whole world? Yes, let's have a direct experience. So, okay, um, what we can do is if you think about how often people are at their computers nowadays and mm. listening things like that. So, what we can do is have a little bit of um, a somatic practice that we can do for our upper shoulders for our necks um for the front of our shoulders because we're often holding our arms forward you know if we're at a desktop and things like that and so many people are yeah so we can do a little bit just to release those muscles they will get chronically they'll get habituated held in a pattern so we can do that and it's something you can take as a practice each day and the more you do this with awareness, the more you'll start to develop the neuronal connections that you can start to feel the results of what you're mm. doing. So it's almost like learning and undoing. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, cause if you say sensory motor system, what does that mean? We all have one, but no one knows unless you're 
even if you're if you're from a neuroscience field, you don't necessarily understand somatic principles about how to work with muscle groups and things like that. And mm -hmm. so, so, um, so let's do this. If you just sit comfortably in your seat and just let your hands rest wherever they would like to comfortably, they can rest on your thighs if that's comfortable. And just start to deepen your breath. So just a comfortable breath. And as you breathe out, you can just let your body soften and relax. So somatic work is really learning how to truly, what does relaxation mean? Because some of us, because the patterns are held in by the cerebellum and that's not voluntary to us. We can't access those <laughs> unless we learn how to access them. So um, with yoga, you're just doing something that's so such a deep practice so often that you're habituating to a new pattern. That's one of the things that you would be doing with yoga. You'd just be habituating to a new pattern. Um, but with somatic education, you um, are learning to, to find a unique freedom that you may not may never have had before, but you don't have to stress and you don't you don't stretch. It's the opposite. So hmm. okay. So let's turn our head a little bit to the left, just very slightly to the left. And then when you're ready, you'll just come back and bring your head back to neutral again and just take a breath. Then when you're ready to do that again, see if you can make the movement even easier and more comfortable, just so it feels easy and natural. And slowly and smoothly turn your head a little to the left. Only go as far as is comfortable. When you're ready to come back, see if you can feel what muscles you're using to bring your head back. So some of us, we will keep our head turned to one side a little bit just because of how we sit habitually. Sometimes we'll keep our head turned slightly, but we don't know we're doing that. So we'll do that again when you're ready. You can turn your head a little bit to your left. And then when you're ready to come back, see if you can feel from within what muscles you're using to bring your head back. And then just let go of any effort and breathe naturally. So with the horse, I might touch the side of his neck or her neck that I'm asking them to turn toward to help bring awareness so they can feel or vice versa, or I may not do that at all. So, but it's just a way to start to feel from within effort that has been involuntary and to let it turn off again. So we're slowly engaging the muscle and then slowly releasing the muscle and muscles most of the time, right? It's, yeah, so usually several muscles, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. And so we'll go to the second side now, just take your time and just think, okay, when I'm ready, I'm just gonna slowly start to initiate a movement and just very easily turn my head to one side. I'm only gonna go as far as is comfortable. And then I'm just gonna lazily bring my head back to neutral again. And you may start to notice sensations that maybe you didn't feel on the first side because your brain, one side learns from the other. So even though we're working with the second side now, we know a little bit more about how to make that movement easily and comfortably. And every time we do these kinds of practices, our neuronal connections, we develop more of them and we deepen and deepen and deepen. So just like anything that we do a lot of, right? We get better and better at it, okay? All right, so when you're ready, just take your time. You're going to turn your head slowly again. And remember, I only go as far as comfortable and then smoothly come back when you're ready. And just make sure you're breathing naturally and easily, not holding your breath. And then we'll look for that ease again. So we think, okay. That felt really good. Let's do that again. Notice what muscles you're using to turn your head. And then when you're ready, slowly return back to neutral again. And then let everything turn off again and just rest. And just keep letting everything turn off. All right. Is there anything you would like to share so far about what we're doing that you're noticing? 
honestly for myself, cause I, I mean, obviously people listening can't see that I was doing the practice that you were sharing, but, um, first and foremost, that's perfect. Cause I, I think many people, even most people that are listening to this are in that habituated, like again, arms forward, even head down, not even from work or being on a computer, but even more so our smartphones. Yes. Like that's like, yeah. Cause we have a lot of younger listeners. Like that's very normal to like, for us to be on our phones, like looking at social media or whatever, like scrolling. Um, and I just noticed from within myself is that it just is, um, cause I s- sit often for my work as well on coaching calls and everything is that like that just, even though there wasn't much sensation either way in terms of like any pain or anything like that, but it, it brought that much more awareness and calmness I felt. Yes. And ultimately awareness. And it's so simple to give ourselves that, that space, but how often we don't like, because again, we're in habituated patterns of how we are actually living our lives. So I, I love that. It's just like a reflection and realize realization is okay. I've been in this pattern for so long and finally giving yourself the space in this case, obviously you're a facilitator of that, which I recommend having someone guide and educate you with anything new because you just accelerate in the learning and actually stay like with what you want to learn, like these new things. But that was just, even such such a subtle practice, it just felt really powerful. Yes. Yes. And so when you mentioned about uh, looking at a smartphone and you're looking down, and if you think about whichever is the hand that you would habitually hold your phone with, for example, Mm. and so you're going to have a lot of muscles engaged habitually in with that arm and And then your head is typically going to be off to one side or the other habitually and Mm. look down, right? So, so those are, that's a perfect example of how all of these different muscle groups, what'll happen is because we're so used to multitasking and our brain says, okay, I've got a lot I need to pay attention to here. I'm just going to store that as a habituation in my cerebellum. Mm. And I'm going to keep those motor units turned on all the time. And that'll happen even when we're asleep. Wow. So yes. And so we just started with something very, very simple for your listeners to work with. Uh, most ever, uh, it's, pretty common to, for all of us to keep our head to, um, slightly to the left or slightly to the right. Mm-hmm. So think of like your nose would just line up with the center of your chest. And so um, we just, we don't know that we're, we're off a little bit from that, but a phone is the perfect example of how mm-hmm. to situate to that. Yeah. So, um, so let's do this. We'll do a little bit more for your listeners so that we can release the, some of the muscle groups that are involved with keeping our arms forward like that all the time. So we just let our arms and our hands rest and you can just let your hands rest on your thighs. So when you're ready, you can very slowly start to aim your shoulders slightly forward. So you'll just start to bring your shoulders forward and then very slowly release. So sometimes I like to think of it just to uh, since your listeners can hear us, but they can't see us. If you think of you have headlights on the front of your shoulders. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And you're just going to bring the headlights slightly forward, but notice what you feel. So you just want to make a little bit of an effort and slowly uh, bring your shoulders forward and then see how smoothly you can come to neutral again. So you might feel a little bit of jerkiness when you start to release. Did you notice that, Kevin? Did you feel? I yes. did. Yeah. And even, I even noticed like a little bit of like tension in the back of my neck. Yes. Okay. So let's do this. Let's have you think about your head just going to be neutral and only go as far as comfortable. And so it can be a very small movement. You're aiming your shoulders slightly forward, stay in and we're in that comfortable range and then see how slowly and smoothly you could come to neutral. Once you come to neutral, just rest for a minute and keep letting the muscles turn off. So in this case, we're working with our pec muscles across the front of our chest. They pull our shoulders forward. We've had a lot of that this this year. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. And then when you're ready, you'll do that again. Slowly start to aim your shoulders forward. And then when you're ready, just slowly release. So we let the muscles go back to neutral and resting. And when we do that, we're allowing the space to come back into that area of our bodies again. 
So it's our brain that creates the action and then the body follows mm -hmm. the, the brain's um, request, right? Yeah. And so, but oftentimes we don't ever stop doing the action. And that mm. over time, what leads to what Thomas Hanna called sensory motor amnesia. Mm. So, um, and that's that one particular field of somatic education. There are many out there that vary a great deal in yeah. what they're about. Um, but I would say um, recognizing, um, let's see. Um, well, I think. I think just recognizing that when we can feel from within and in this field of somatics, we're specifically focusing on always working with the opposing muscle group as well, which is very, very important because all of our muscle groups work in pairs. Mm. And we want to have a good communication between all of our opposing muscle groups so that um, as you know, we are able to do what we need to do while we're here. Yep. Because if that's where things can get, <laughs> that can get out of balance for our our bodies is when when we are we don't have good communication between all of our opposing muscle groups yeah so what we'll do um now is we'll start to bring um we can bring our hands behind us a little bit we're going to work with the opposing muscle groups so our rhomboid muscles sit between our scapula blades and our spine on the back of our body and I, I like to think of our scapula blades as like our angel wings, you know, because we can, we're meant to be able to move them, but oftentimes mm -hmm. they can get kind of stuck. And so um, a lot of people don't really have a lot of movement in that area of our body. And so this is a way to start to bring some really, some freedom and mobility back there. Mm -hmm. What we'll do now, we've got our hands behind us, just wherever they are comfortable, comfortably resting. And then we're going to start to bring our elbows toward one another, just slightly. And you can bring them slightly behind you. So whichever feels better, you can do slightly toward each other. You'll feel your scapula blades move toward your spine. And then you'll slowly release. And the rhomboid muscles that rest there between our spine and our scapula blades, we just let them rest and we can take a breath. So you can bring the awareness to that part of your body. And then when you're ready, you'll do that again. It's going to slowly start to bring your elbows. You can bring them slightly toward each other, slightly behind you, scapula blades slide toward each other, and then slowly release. And then you can let the muscles turn off. And once you feel like you've let them turn off when you're ready, you can do that movement again. Bring your elbows back and toward one another. And you can keep the movement so that you feel what you're doing with the back of your body. And then very slowly release. And just come to, you can come to let your hands rest again. As you breathe now, you can say, okay, how, what do I notice? How do I feel? Hmm. For me, um, just to share, because it's, it's really fascinating doing these, again, subtle movements. Um, yeah, like what, the one thing that you called out before is like you might notice like that jerking motion of like as you let go of those muscles, which uh, if, could you describe more of like what's going on if that happens? Because yeah. I imagine that that's common, right? Thank you for asking. It is very common. Um, when there's the jerkiness like that, our brain is literally releasing any involuntary contractions that we've had with repetition. The control goes to the frontal cortex. The control goes back to a voluntary movement again, rather mm -hmm. than stored in the unconscious in the cerebellum, mm -hmm. where would be, there can oftentimes be a lot of extra tonicity in the muscle groups that's being put there by yep. that habituation, by, which is happening in your brain. Yep. So we're not doing it on purpose. And since we don't know that we're doing it on purpose, we don't, we can't stop doing it because wow. we don't even know we're doing it. Yep. Which so. that reminds me of, um, so obviously, you know, this, but I don't know if I share this very often on this podcast, but I, I was a yoga, or I guess I can say I technically am still a yoga teacher, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just haven't taught in some years and I don't plan to, but I got trained in one of the things that was a very common cue that we learned, which 
it didn't, I didn't really fully understand why we would do this just sounded nice and like would help our students, but is to release your jaw, mm-hmm. like consciously bring the attention to releasing the jaw. But in this case, at least what I'm understanding from what you're guiding us through right now, Gloria, is that it's not just the release, but then it's actually the conscious activation of it slightly in a comfortable way. So that then as you release, like you're, you're fully releasing the unconscious like tension that is made through those muscles. Am I correct in understanding that? It is. Yes. Because okay. you're using good control as you slowly release. So yeah. Part, yes. You're consciously engaging at a comfortable level mm-hmm. and then you're keeping control as you go back to neutral. And that's yeah. where a lot of that change will, it does occur is, is staying with that slow release and yeah. feeling. And then always working with the opposing muscle group when available. I mean, when there's an injury and things like that, sometimes it's not, you know, you, you want to work, you always want to work within what feels good and what feels comfortable. Um, And so finding a way to, you know, work in the opposite direction is always a good idea because then you're going to find how how the two um, opposing muscle groups work well together Mm. currently for that day. So that's a big part of it too. So when they would say release your jaw, I think, I think um, from a somatic perspective, we could say, bring your awareness to your jaw and release any, any, um, you know, allow your jaw to release as, (laughs) that's where it gets kind of tricky because the unconscious, the involuntary patterning that's there, you may not even know it's there until you have had some sensory motor education in that area. Mm. Then you can feel what you didn't know before um, was there. And um, so, and then also just from a whole body, you know, taking into account that nothing is separate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what we hold in our jaw can be from, from that we're holding our heads forward and that's a habituation that you know we want to work with with our whole being so um, because that can be something that's happening kind of as a secondary result to to something else going on in your somatic you know patterning if you will sure definitely yeah it's um uh, and sometimes in yoga, we would be taught to just re-engage, just to hold a different muscle group contracted, but we're still yes. holding the muscle group. It might just be more, more of an approved of muscle group that we're yeah. holding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any yoga teacher that's like, all right, now clench your jaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it can be that frozen moment in time too. I mean, that can, it can happen that way. It's where it's mm-hmm. a, frozen moment in time. And um, so whether that was a frozen moment in time from a surgery, you know, that our jaw got mm. clenched in that moment or yeah. from, from, you know, feeling that we did, we just got stuck and we express it. And then it just keeps that same expression keeps coming up, right. And yeah. it is held in our somas involuntarily and unconsciously. Yep. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's an endless to to me, it's it's kind of this endless, endlessly fascinating land of possibilities, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a topic that is, um, you know, the horses really brought me into the work, mm-hmm. and um, so and it's a wonderful, a wonderful space to swim in because it is so, um, you know, for one, so for one, it's so, so wonderful to me. It really teaches us how to treat ourselves very, very well yeah. rather than, um, you know, cause we're getting to listen to our own feedback for maybe for the first time in our lives. Yeah. We live in powerful. Mm, thank you. In addition to that, would you speak to as well, like what happens in our spirit by means of this? Because obviously this podcast being science and spirituality, like my mind goes to like, we've covered a lot of the science, which obviously there's, there's vast amounts of that, but you've covered it, you know, enough for like a, a dip in the water of, of yeah. somatic work. But, um, cause I know you were speaking to this briefly, you said it twice. I don't know if anyone really picked up on this listening, but you said that you do this work so that either if, if it's a horse, if it's a, you know, other animal, or even as a human that then you help them get to that, that space to where they could do what they're here to do. Like that, I heard that and I was like keying on that. I was like, Ooh, I want to hear more about that because I've, I could be wrong, but it's, it feels like, it sounds like it's tied to like our spirit and like our purpose, but I'd love to hear your perspective on that. 
Yes. Well, um, from a yogic perspective, even if we look at that perspective, we talk about our dharma, our life's work, what we're here to do, um, and how do we do that and do it well. Mm-hmm. So we could look at it from that way. Where I, I truly believe we do have unique blueprint. Each one of us does. We have our personal life experiences. We have our unique DNA. We have our unique uh, lineages too. you know, our family's history and what, what do we inherit even that we, um, that we have natural proclivities for and ability Mm -hmm. for, for example, and then how do those get expressed and, um, what do we want to express and what did we come here to do? And even with, with horses, some horses are just naturally very good at certain things and they enjoy certain things that others aren't naturally good at and don't enjoy. And so, um, and just helping, you know, for each of us in our lives, whether we're a human or a horse, we're often being asked to do things that maybe we don't think we're very good at, or that we don't quite know, you know, um, don't, maybe we don't have experience with it. And yeah. so, um, um, so let's see our spirits. Well, I would say this, our, the, the state of our spirit is always affecting our bodies. It's affecting our somas because if you see someone, if you feel crushed, you can usually see that that person in, if they feel crushed, you can feel that sometimes, or you can see that they're, you know, if you see a dog that's astray and you see maybe that dog's afraid and you can see it, even though the dog's not verbally saying, hi, I'm, I'm lost. I'm scared. You can see right in in their being, in their soma, they're, yep. they're lost and afraid. And so that when, w- if we've had a lot of experience of that, that will get habituated as well in mm. our, soma, in our, you know, in our body, in our nervous system, in our, and it yep. shows up in our body. So that's a way where if an animal has had a lot of fear, we can work with that animal, that being, being animal and, and uh, release any unconscious habituation any holding or patterning from the experience over time and we get to have new experiences instead of the same experiences we can facilitate new adventures new exploration new um you know being more of what we came here to be just naturally starting from a resting place engaging getting feedback from our world and then if we need to, you know, releasing any stress, because this is the just the best way to release stress because yeah. uh, we get to feel what we want to feel in the movement very clearly and comfortably. Yeah. And we release as much of the tonicity as we want to release. And, and we just keep coming back, um, you know, to that as, as needed. And, um, you know, we can do all the things we love to do, but we, to me, one of the things that I feel like somatic education really did for me was just help me stop hurting myself. Mm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I I get that deeply. (laughs) (laughs) I think literally that, that alone, I feel like is one thing that everyone can resonate with, Mm -hmm. but tell tell us more about that. Cause I, I literally just, what rang in my head was like, I can relate, but then I literally heard a hundred other people as they're, you know, they're going to listen to this, like, oh my God, that's me. Like, so tell us more about that. Like what that's done for you. Oh, wow. It, well, it just gives me a lot of freedom and it Mm. allows me to do what I'm here to do and do my work and in a way that, that works, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for animals and for others and, and how we relate to, you know, even in relationship, recognizing, okay, recognizing where we are in, in, you know, relationship. And then where is the other in relationship and just recognizing where they are as a being and feeling, you know, and we all have different, different levels of how we receive our information from the environment. You know, we are organisms in our environment and yes, we are spirit. I mean, we are so much spirit. You see someone get excited and you see their spirit come alive, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's what, that's the beauty of this world is yeah. we all have within us. It's just really beautiful. And so to have the freedom to do that, whether we're walking on two legs or four legs and, you know, really being in our bodies. I, I worked with a dog recently who had had a, 
a scary experience for her. Um, she, you know, it's the first time she'd been away from her people. She was in a strange veterinarian's office for days at a time, and mm. she never had that experience before. And so um, she came home as a different being with a, mm. quite a bit of, you know, what some people might call trauma. The light mm-hmm. was gone from her eyes. She, none of the behavior that she'd ever had for years, it wasn't there anymore. She was just a different dog. Yeah. And so um, with her, rather than because of just knowing kind of how much tonicity is in her muscles, rather than working somatically, I actually worked with tapping with her with emotional mm. freedom technique. And so that's working with our meridian system. It's part of it. And so the touch of the points is part yeah. of that. And then expressing what I knew she you know, the, her, what she would, and she just did beautifully. She came right back a lot. Her people were like, oh my gosh, you know, they were so thrilled because she was herself again. She started started integrated back into who she was Mm -hmm. before she had that experience. And so there are a lot of ways that we can work to help each other, to help ourselves, to help each other, to, um, you know, find that light within ourselves again. Mm. Um, so for different beings, I might work really differently depending on the, on that being, but it, yeah. it is very much like you said about what we're here to do. So, um, to, to have courage, where do you find that? Sometimes I'll use a certain yogic breath work to help people. Mm. If they feel like they, they want more courage, they'd like to build more courage. I'll work with pranayama with them to help them feel what that feels like within their nervous system. So, um, but I think it all comes back to helping people find what they're here for and what they want to do. And certainly with animals, you know, they, some people believe that animals have made agreements to be with us and, and help us in certain ways, you know, whether it's companionship or bring us joy or, or we bring them joy and all caring for each, caring with and for one another. Mm Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, I I think it did. I mean, like what was sparking in my mind as you're sharing all those and the different examples, which I think make it even more palpable and understandable is that uh, the analogy, it's an analogy that I I popped in my mind is like, what you're sharing is that like, we all have there's a reason like a purpose, there's like a dharma There's a reason we're here and that um, what I'm understanding is like what you're sharing is that the somatic work and the other things that you do is that it helps that being regulate in a certain way so that their, their spirit is more free flowing and it's not blocked by those past experiences or traumas or held tension in the body so that that can flow through more easily. And the analogy, cause I said, there's an analogy. It's like a flower, it's like a flower in just the meadow. It's like, there's no, uh, if, if there is no, uh, thing in that environment, in that ecosystem that is blocking its growth, it naturally blooms easily at the perfect time the perfect rate. And it's, it's just, just gorgeous. I mean, even to the point of even like perfect geometry that comes out of that flower and it's just like naturally done, you know, it's not like there's no force, there's no box or tension. It's like that naturally just unfolds. And that's what I feel like is like within us, just that that we have those blocks. And as we release those, then what we're here to do, it naturally comes forth. Yes, it does. Yeah. That freedom of expression yeah. to that and how, and it relates to, it comes through us and through our soma and what we believe about ourselves. It can cause us to hold ourselves certain ways. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I have a friend in that was a somatic educator in Europe for years. And she said, you know, our bodies are always just going to be doing whatever our bodies feel like it, we need to do to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so some of these habituations that we develop, we develop those because we're, we want to feel safe. So some of those, you know, are based off of reflexive patterns. Um, but what I started to see, you know, coming from the field of hanasomatics and working with reflexive patterns, what I started to see sometimes with some animals, if they don't know how to yield. And so that word yield is not from the field of hanasomatics. So um, but the, to our ability to yield would be the way we would relate to support and the way mm. we soften into support. And if we don't understand how to yield to soften into support, then how can we work to have that experience maybe for the first time in our lives? 
And so helping people find that. And in case, and in this case, this particular pup, you know, was how do I help her find that? So yeah. it just came through the a different the through a different modality. Yeah. But it's understanding because of what the tonicity I could feel in her. Yeah. So sometimes that might be why I might work with someone non-locally. I don't mm-hmm. know in the room where they are, things like that, because yeah. sometimes our nervous system we don't want to add any unnecessary interference mm. into a nervous system. So for example, if you're in a room and, and you're injured, but your nervous system is still aware, then you wouldn't necessarily, you know, having the support of a loved one who you have a close bond with could feel very sustaining, but not having a connection doesn't feel very sustaining. So um, it could be that if you had fear or, or just Un, let me think how to say this. If you had unfamiliarity with a different um, nervous system in the room mm-hmm. that you didn't know and you knew you didn't know, you're trying to access information that is un, you don't necessarily need to have to access that information. Sure. You're kind of going way out there, but with yeah. the topic of your of your show, I think we can do that. We can <laughs> and sometimes it would just be, well, maybe they don't need that extra stimulus for their nervous system. Yep. They we can do this in a different way because mm-hmm. they don't need that extra stimulus. Yeah. These are just um, you know, experiences I've had over the years where I would see, okay, this is this way. I, some and you can trust that, right? Yeah. You, you, this is this way you can trust that. Um, and I was thinking about someone that had head injuries specifically in this case, but it reminds me of a story that I think is more tangible about where I'm coming from. Sure. Um, a, f- uh, a student and a friend had asked me come and meet this particular horse because I might like for him to be part of my herd. And do you think he would be a good part of my, a good addition to the herd? So when I went there, uh, there were a group of us in, uh, standing and a friend of mine was there uh, who was from California and just a couple of different people were around. And um, I was talking about what some of the things that horses have to deal with that humans are not aware that they have to deal with. And I said, for example, this horse is, is grieving his mom, the loss of his mom. And so when I said it, I thought, well, that kind of goes without saying, I mean, that's what most humans do. Most people separate horses from their mother at some point that's just normal Mm. why did I feel the need to you know point this out right so um so I I just shared you know well he's this horse is grieving the loss of his mom and I just went on with what I was saying um and then a few minutes later the woman that owned the property came over from the other field and she came walking over from the other field and she said oh yeah she said this horse here she said when he came here he came here with his mom but we sold her and, and this horse is not a cult. He's an older horse. And everybody just looked at me and just said, mm-hmm. Because this very moment of, you know, this, I knew this horse was grieving the loss of his mom. But but it's not like he, you know, it wasn't um, an auditory. It wasn't like a clairaudient moment. Um, although it can be sometimes. You can, you know, have those moments too. It was just a knowing. It was mm. just, it was just kind of a matter of fact moment where, I knew this horse was great for the loss of his mom. So yeah. this information, if you think about science and spirituality, these are the two areas where they seem to have been placed at odds. Mm. But if they're both in their, um, in their expansive state, they are not at odds at all. Yeah, exactly. But if they're in this other dogmatic state, they are, they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So we could say that's all in the field. It's just somewhere in the field. And there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Very well said. Yeah, 100%. Which I think that's why you know, there's so many people that resonate with our podcast and then obviously the topics that we have because that's what Chris and I believe and obviously pretty much any of our guests believe as well. It's like they're not separate. And that's just a perfect example of it is that you felt that you knew that. And then somatically, it's like there probably were things that you can help in terms of like, because you said it was an, like an older horse. So like, it wasn't like it was just that recent, right? That that yeah. happened, you know? He had been separated from his mom recently, but oh, okay, um, okay. it wasn't one of those horses that was separated as a cult, like most horses. Got it. Yes. So yeah, it was different in that experience. Shared that, yes. Yep. Um, yeah, so he 
he, um, you know, it just kind of came out as an example of what he was dealing with. Yeah. Horses are dealing with many different things that their, their people are, you know, um, can be contributing to what they're dealing with, Mm. Uh, but the people don't realize it. And we are our own bodies. We can be doing certain things that are, we're actually injuring ourselves, but we don't know that that's what's doing it. It's causing that, that pain or that, yeah. Uh, and that's that's not uncommon at all. But yeah. yes, in this case, you know, I just realized when I said it, I thought, well, most most every cult, they are separated from their mother. So why did I feel the need to point that out? But then she came and said, why? They had just they just sold his mother. He was indeed grieving, deeply grieving his mother. Yeah. So those are all those are all things that we do hold in our in the soma. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. yeah. 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 That's powerful. Yeah. Well. I'm honestly, I feel like I can talk with you for another hour, um, even more. Cause I mean, we we've had definitely had conversations that went into several hours. Um, but, uh, is there any final thing you'd love to share as we just like close up in terms of the timing for this episode? Um, any final things that you want to share in terms of just like, well, before we get to like, obviously like where people can connect with you, where people can work with you and all that, we'll get to that. But any final thoughts that you're just, or things you wanted to share in terms of somatic work or anything else that you want to add from what you were just sharing. Yeah. I just think, um, as for one thing, um, if we have, if time allows, we can do one more simple movement that I feel like would benefit your listeners and that okay. they when they would like any yeah. time. So Let's this, do it. Okay. So this would be a movement that just helps to release all the muscles across your upper shoulder. So you can, um, turn your head slightly to the left and then tilt your head back a little bit. So it's like, you're looking up And then think about aiming your right shoulder up toward the back of your head. So you're just going to lift your right shoulder up toward the back of your head. And then very slowly come to rest again and just let the muscles turn off. And I just like to take a breath and just wait and make sure I've let the muscles turn off. (laughs) And then we'll do that again when you're ready. So you have your face a little bit to the left and then you're going to tilt your head back a little bit. So you're aiming the back of your head down toward your shoulder and you're going to lift your right shoulder up toward the back of your head. And if it feels good, you can aim the back of your head toward your shoulder and very slowly let the muscles turn off again. And then when you're ready, you can re-engage. So our brains learn through the repetition. So we say, okay, how does this movement feel? What muscles am I using? And then very slowly come to neutral again and allow those muscles to turn off and just keep letting the muscles turn off. (laughs) Okay. You can notice how that shoulder feels compared to your opposite shoulder and how your neck feels on that side compared to the opposite side, kind of the back of your neck and top of your shoulder. Okay. All right. We'll do the second side and then we'll finish, but you can do this anytime. And like I said, with more repetitions, you'll, you'll develop better connections about how it feels and your muscles can get softer and more relaxed. Okay. And that's something we all need right now. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) So, so we'll do second side. So you just turn your face slightly to the right and then look up. And so you'll notice your head's tilting back when you do that. And then you can lift your left shoulder and shrug your left shoulder up toward the back of your head. And then slowly let the muscles turn off again. Just let your body soften. So this is these muscles are part of the startle response. So mm. we want to, you know, make sure we keep those muscles nice and soft and relaxed. Okay. And then when you're ready, you'll have your face a little bit to the right, tilt your head back, aim your left shoulder up toward the back of your head and the back of your head down toward your shoulder. And then slowly come to rest. Completely let the muscles turn off. Just keep letting the muscles soften. And then we'll do that one more time. Tilt your head back. Aim your left shoulder up toward the back of your head. Back of your head down toward your shoulder. And slowly, smoothly allow your shoulder to rest again. And bring your head to neutral. And you may feel a difference and you may take it, you may need more repetitions. So don't be afraid to stay with the movement. Like when you're going to do this on your own, 
you can do more repetitions. You just want to make sure that you're always coming back and giving yourself the that neutral place again, because that's that's one of the places where that feedback we want the feedback to be able to get to our brain so that our brain can make a change mm -hmm. rather than just running off to the next task. Yeah, for sure. It reminds makes me think of like the the pause in between each of our breaths. It's like, it's, it's not a non-space. It's just actually a part of that rhythm, you know, that's meant to happen. But like we have most people, I think in the West, especially in the Western world, like they don't give themselves that space of that relaxation, just letting go. Like, it's not just doing any, nothing. It's, it's, it's a passive active work. I don't know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> and this is very much that, Kevin. It is very much passive with action and action and then waiting to see, okay, have, have I let go of the effort from that yeah. last moment? And, and it just applies so much to everything in life, especially with, you know, sometimes, for example, just to make it a little more tangible, mm -hmm. we can we can come into relationship uh, with the, from what happened in our last relationship, because we are coming from that place rather. So mm. a, a wonderful uh, horsewoman and Leslie Desmond said to me one time, she said, you know, when you made a horse, you're not mating that horse. You're mating the last person that, that worked with that horse. Ooh, interesting. Mm -hmm. We could definitely apply that to our own lives as well. Yes. Yes. So that's why it's like, it's just, it makes it more, you know, usually as adults, we need to have reasons why we do the things we do conscious reasons about why we might do something that's so very, very subtle. Yeah. Um, because it is, it is subtle, but it's very precise and, um, just, you know, really grateful to Tom and Eleanor Hannah that developed this work and mm -hmm. Eleanor for mentoring me so deeply. And for so many yoga therapy teachers mentoring me so deeply as well. And, mm. So many people who have, um, and Janet Kalo, you know, who, you know, a somatic educator, um, just so many people who have conversationally given me the courage to, to also, um, you know, share different aspects and Bobby and Fredericks and so many people, as you know, with so many people and you, you too, to share these different aspects about, um, about what it is to, to be fully here and not mm -hmm. not only be here in the way that's like that's socially acceptable or that has been mm -hmm. handed down through paradigms or yep. has been handed down through dogmatic systems or things you know because we're there's we have so much more um love in us what it comes down to is that right yeah just, we have so much more in us um you know that we all can support ourselves and if we're called to you know mentor and support others yep. too so that we can show up the way we um are capable and need to show up in a time where not many people really understand and know how yep. to, to do that exactly how, yeah 100 we're all learning that mm -hmm. 100 that's a beautiful way honestly i think to summarize and then end this out is just that's this work is needed like not only for ourselves, but then for the world, like, you know, if you feel called to do that, but then obviously if you're feeling called to actually like do this work yourself so that you can just in for your own life, just actually show up more for yourself and for others. So that's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gloria, for not only for sharing your wisdom, but I've really resonated and appreciate your willingness to share those practices, those exercises. Um, like I noticed for myself of like, just like some tension releasing some stress releasing. And even more so is like, like that, that feedback of like, there was times where like, as I was releasing at the first time, I felt like my muscles, like kind of like jerking around. Cause like I, they had been in a habituated way, but then like after some repetitions, like, Oh wow, it's loosening up. It's making it easier. And it's such a simple practice. So thank you for giving that to us. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I love sharing with you and with your listeners and, um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. And so where can people find you? I could, we'll have all the links in the description of this episode, but if there's anything in particular you wanted to share. Yeah. Um, I have uh, a website. It's Gloria Hester.com H E S T E R, which in Norway and Denmark is their word for horses. Oh, nice. So a little God wink there. Serendipitous. <laughs> 
Um, so GloriaHester.com. Um, and I'll have a, a free guided uh, meditation in Yoga Nidra that's very relaxing that will help you to create more awareness too. Um, if anyone would like to download that from the homepage top of my website, you can grab it there. Um, and if you would like to reach out to me, you can do that through the site as well. Yeah, GloriaHistor.com. Awesome. Great. So everything there. Perfect. <laughs> yes, yes. Awesome. So, thank, All right, thank you very much again, Gloria. Appreciate you very much. I appreciate you so much and all of your listeners. And I just want you all to be well and happy and, and have fantastic lives. And I know you are helping people do that. So, mm. thank you. Awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's it for today. So thanks for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. So any questions, any comments, connect with us on Instagram personally at Kevin F. Carton or at Chris J. Carton or our podcast Instagram page at Science and Spirituality Podcast. And if you feel guided to, the one thing that we do ask is for you to please rate the podcast and also leave a review. This way we can reach more people and in that way impact more lives. So with that, we'll see you on the next episode.